Hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather and I've got some news and views from a West Texans biblical point of view one you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast. We have a few articles to discuss tonight and um, I'm going to bring those up for you guys right now. So numero uno is... You know him, you love him. He is my all-time favorite. It is Leo Homan, H-O-H-M-A-N-N.com, Leo Homan. If you're interested, he is an investigative reporter, and his main things are globalism, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and anywhere where politics and culture and religion intersect. Anyway, uh, you can find him at leohoman.com, of course. So we we're going to be talking about the Weffers. Yes, so Weffer, Klaus Schwab pronounces a, quote, new dawn of human civilization based on technology and transhumanism. Oh, are we surprised? No, we're not. This is par for course for them, right? So uh, another article um, I wanted to talk to you guys about was why it's going to be so compelling for the world to worship the Antichrist. This is by Skip Heisig. You can find it at harbingersdaily.com, posted the 16th of February. And we'll also talk about an article by Brianna Clausen, posted on the 14th of February. Forgotten, quote, Valentine's Day Massacre. The death of thousands of Jews turned into a gift-giving celebration, question mark. And uh, you can find that at harbingersdaily.com as well. If you guys have noticed, or you may or may not have noticed, but the artwork for the podcast has changed. If you're kind of looking at that and you're like, wait, that doesn't look right. Uh, yes, I changed it a little bit up today and I you know, wanted to add something a little bit new. It is a little West Texas, so I kind of wanted to, you know, put a little pistols on there and, you know, change up uh, from the Edo font over to some Western font. So if you guys don't like it, I'm sorry, let me know. But uh, just kinda, I just kind of, I wanted to change it up. A little change-up is good. My mom used to change furniture around all the time. I found myself doing that, too. I always rearrange the furniture. It's like a brand-new place. You know, if you get tired of your where you're living, hey, you know, just uh, move your furniture around. It'll be like a brand-new apartment or brand-new house or whatever you get in there. So I like to change things up a little bit. That's just how I am. But anyway, let's jump over here to the Weffers. So Weffer Klaus Schwab pronounces new dawn of human civilization based on technology and transhumanism. If the globalists succeed in creating a new population of transhumans, what we're looking at is the death of free will. Speaking Monday at the World Government Summit in Dubai, the founder and executive director of the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, said humankind is transitioning into the intelligent age, powered by technology springing forth from a fourth industrial revolution, this was the same summit addressed earlier in the day by Tucker Carlson, who called out the transhumanists who, quote, think they are God, unquote, and are using technology in a vain effort to improve the human condition. On the same day, one of the world's most prominent transhumanists, Klaus Schwab, command, uh, commanded center stage and gave a very different view of the world from that envisioned by Carlson. Schwab described a chilling vision of the near future in which he said human beings must prepare to have their physical, biological, and digital identities integrated into one fusion. And uh, right here is the video. And I'm going to play this video so you guys can hear it. Uh, it's going to take me just one second. Let me switch over to this other program so that you guys can hear the audio as well. So here we go. 
Just think of the power of the combination of artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and big data. Uh, so it's a combination of the different technologies which really bring the fundamental change. And finally, um, I think we have to be prepared for a world where we see a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological uh, dimensions. So it will be a world integrating the physical, biological, and um, the uh, di uh, digital dimensions. So it will be a new world. And um, I'm looking for a minister in 10 years. Uh, probably it will be completely different from what it is now. So folks, there you have it. Um, that's their plans, and they, they are gung-ho on making that happen. And so we'll continue with this article. Swab said this revolution in technology will power a global transition of humankind into a new era that he called the intelligent age in which humankind will enjoy many more opportunities and possibilities to become godlike. This includes features like linking your brain to the internet and wearing virtual reality goggles that will ultimately rewire your brain and render it unable to tell the difference between reality and fantasy not to mention, make you look like an idiot, <laughs> Leo says. <laughs> Love it. Schwab says, a new type of human will exist in this new era. It's a transition of humankind, he said. A choice of words that was not coincidental. He used the word transition five times in a span of less than a minute. And he did. And uh, there's more talk and so we're gonna do this one more time i'm gonna switch over to this other program so we can hear this as well uh these are on x and they're posted by tim hinchcliffe by the way tim hinchcliffe so let's listen to what oclosh has to say on this one we are speaking not just about the fourth industrial revolution we are speaking about the transition of humankind into a new era which is not just characterized by technological change. A new era where humankind will enjoy many more opportunities and possibilities. It's a transition. It's a transition from the, we first had the transition about 100 years ago from the agricultural society to the industrial society. But today, we speak about the transition into what I would call the intelligent age. There you have it, folks. Leo goes on to say, what he's talking about here is the use of, a, of, use of machine learning in AI to create a population of hybrid bring, beings. These hybrids will exploit the opportunities and possibilities offered by technology to evolve into a whole new species. They will, quote, transition from humans into transhumans, bearing some of the hallmarks of the previous species, but incorporating new characteristics powered by artificial intelligence. Those who refuse to take advantage of these, oh, I'm so sorry, folks. Those who refuse to take advantage of these new, quote, opportunities will be left behind, unable to qualify for the best jobs and educational opportunities. You can already see that coming. AI will replace 60% of the jobs over the next 10 to 20 years, and those who refuse to become transhuman will be the first ones eliminated from the workforce. 
Eventually, you will see purges from the upper ranks of the social strata, the so-called elites. We already are experiencing an increasing, increasingly bifurcated society with a wider distance between the haves and the have-nots, leading to a much smaller middle class. The AI takeover will exacerbate this process. The generation now on Earth may be the last one to grow up remembering what it was like to actually be human. Young children currently under the age of nine, eight or nine will not remember the human experience unless they are raised by parents who guard them from this pernicious drive to automate humanity and make people into soulless cyborgs. Having access to more information than ever, but unable to separate truth from fiction, love from hate, feelings from facts. Swab demonstrated how this works as he has already gone down this path, submitting to what he considers a higher power. He sacrifices his own free will to the will of his God, which is AI. Schwab said he arrived at his conclusions about the fourth industrial revolution, not by researching and studying and then using his own ability to reason. No, he consulted chat GPT. Quote, I had about 20 pages of text and I asked chat GPT summarize the text and tell me now based on our discussion, how will the new era, the intelligent era look like, he said. And here is what Klaus Schwab said. We're going to switch over to this audio. Give me just one moment. And finally, I had about 20 pages of text and I asked chat GPT summarize the text and tell me now based on our discussion, how will the new era, the intelligent era, look like? And I read you the text. Envisioning a future propelled by the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution, we see a new dawn of human civilization, one that harmonizes technology with the deepest needs and aspirations of humanity. This vision unfolds within a society where artificial intelligence, robotics, the Internet of the Things, 3D printing, genetic engineering, quantum computing become the foundations of our daily life, yet are guided by a profound respect for human values, creativity, and the natural world. Yeah, folks. Leo goes on to say, Schwab's top advisor at the WEF speaks similarly poisonous rhetoric about the future of humanity and its loss of free will. He says, for example, that children will be able to consult AI to determine their sexual identity. Harari says if he had been privy to AI when he was a kid, he would not have had to wait till he was in his late teens to discover he was gay. Yes, folks, uh, here is O Harari telling us all about that right now. So here we go. Hold on. We don't really know ourselves. To give an example, when I was 21, I finally realized that I was gay after living for several years in denial. And this is not exceptional. A lot of gay men live in denial for many years. They don't know something very important about themselves. Now imagine the situation in 10 or 20 years when an algorithm can tell any teenager exactly where he or she is 
on the gay straight spectrum and even how malleable this position is. Boy, that did, didn't, ugh. That just makes you sick, doesn't it? Don't you weep for the future of our children? Oh my goodness. I think the Lord's coming home to take us home soon. I think the Lord is coming back soon and very soon we are going to see the King, you guys. Anyway, Leo ends with this. So according to Schwab and Harari, instead of going to God the Father and consulting him about our deepest needs and aspirations, as human beings, we go to AI for such answers. And by doing this, Schwab promises the creation of a new dawn of human civilization without God. Isn't this the Tower of Babel all over again? Yes, Leo, it is the Tower of Babel all over again. If you guys want to find the article, you can go to legalhomeandhohman.com and go give Leo some love. Yes, folks, uh, that's where we're at. We are at the Tower of Babel. Remember, God came down because he goes, there'll be nothing that will stop them. Remember when we wrote, I mean, we just read through that. If you're reading along the chronological Bible with us. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so that's exactly what God said would happen. And he like, I mean, he separated everybody, confused their language or confounded their language, and then scattered everybody abroad around the world. And so, boom, and here we are now. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Don't forget that, you guys, because we're in those days right now. Moving right along. Why it's going to be so compelling for the world to worship the Antichrist. Right now, this is by Skip Heisig, February 14th. Armagersdaily.com. The Bible predicts there is a false Christ coming. In 1 John 2.18, he is called the Antichrist. Many typically think the Antichrist is somebody who's against Jesus, but the prefix anti can just as easily mean instead of, or in place of, is what I've always heard. Anyway, uh, it seems from Scripture that this Antichrist will pose as a substitute for Christ, and it's quite possible he is alive at this moment. Now, I'd much rather talk about Jesus Christ and the Antichrist, but in studying this person, it just makes Jesus even more wonderful. Here's a quick comparison between the two. He says, the Antichrist is called the man of sin in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, whereas Jesus is the sinless man. In the Old Testament, the Antichrist is called the idle shepherd, Zechariah eleven seventeen in the KJV. In John 10, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. That's verse 11. The Antichrist is depicted in Revelation 13, 1 as a beast. And throughout the book, Jesus is referred to as the lamb. Do you want to follow a beast or do you want to follow the lamb? The Antichrist's supposed death, as seen in uh, Revelation chapter 13, 3, will be meant to deceive people. Jesus Christ's death was to save people. Vastly different. I completely agree, Skip. And here's a haunting verse about the Antichrist. Quote, all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. Listen, it's going to be so compelling for the world to worship the Antichrist. The Bible says God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Second Thessalonians 2, 11. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Anyway, back to the article. If you are reading this as an unbeliever and you're thinking you'll avoid the tribulation by buying gold and guns and living out in the wild rather than accepting Christ, remember that the verse says all 
will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life. Revelation 13, 8. And you know, that verse kind of hits home. You see a lot of these people out there, you know, they got their guns and tanks and they're building these bunkers like the elitists are building all these bunkers like they think they're going to survive. Like they think they're going to make it. But right there, the Bible even says they're not going to make it. If your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will not survive. You're not going to survive. Have big news for you folks. The only people that's going to enter into the millennial kingdom are those who have accepted Jesus Christ. They are the tribulation folks that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're the only ones that will enter into the millennial kingdom. Anyway, just letting you know that. But anyway, back to the article. So he goes on to say, but Christ offers to write your name in that book. He told believers, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption draws near. That is Luke 21, 28. Praise the Lord. And he says, and that thought continues in verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. That escape is what we call the rapture. Is your name written in the book of life? He says, I don't want my name in lights. I want it in the Lamb's book of life. And if yours is not there or if you're not sure, be sure today. Make the decision to follow Christ. Don't wait another day or another week. Say yes to Jesus now, he says. And I'm going to throw it in there as well. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right now, if you have not made that decision, a profession of faith in Christ, do it right now. Jesus, please save me. Please save me. And he will save you right now because days are short time is so very short we don't have time you don't have time as we say in texas to him haul around okay you need to make that decision right now right now anyway back to the article with recent world events gibbs says we can see how things can quickly turn so people feel there's no way out they are perplexed and confused they need an answer so much that they would be ready to believe any government official or anyone who could promise and produce a level of anxiety free peaceful living you know the bible says when they start saying peace and safety peace and safety sorry they're doing that now anyway <laughs> i had to throw that in there anyway he goes on to say so we need to ready our hearts and not only for what is coming but especially for what will come to everyone unless jesus comes back for us soon that's death the word says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. If you have not made that commitment yet, or if you've wandered away from intimacy and closeness with God, remember that he seeks to satisfy the deepest needs of every longing heart. If you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, he goes, I'm begging you and I am too. Do it now. Time is so very short. Guys, if you're not familiar with Skip Heisig, he is an author, but he's also the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Church, uh, Calvary Church there in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. So one other and last article I want to talk to you guys about tonight is the forgotten Valentine's Day massacre. The death of thousands of Jews turned into a gift giving celebration by Brianna Clausen, posted on, of course, the 14th of February. And we can find that at harpentersdaily.com. So, let's go. I'm going to move this over to the other monitor. Make it a little easier for me to, to read. All right. So, here we go, you guys. 
The horrific massacre of 1,200 Israelis has engraved October the 7th into the minds of Jewish people and others who watched the bloodshed from around the world. However, in the 1300s, the day which shuddered Jewish people to the bone would have been February the 14th, which many now celebrate as Valentine's Day. While in America, the most famous Valentine's Day massacre revolves around the 1929 killing of seven in a Chicago gang-related shooting, February the 14th, 1349 was the day of a far more deadly anti-Semitic campaign. After being falsely accused of poisoning whales and infecting Europe with the Black Plague, an entire community of several thousand Jewish people in Strasbourg, France, at that time within the Holy Roman Empire, were arrested, barricaded into a Jewish cemetery, and burned alive. Jews were then barred from the city with these restrictions lifted almost 200 years later. Interestingly, it was only after the murders the event was perpetrated on the Jewish population, which took place on the Sabbath, that the Black Plague reached Strasbourg, resulting in the death of approximately 16,000 residents. Valentine's Day was reportedly instituted by the Pope in the 5th century, weaving the traditions of the Catholic Church into a banned pagan holiday in mid-February, centered around fertility and ritual sexual activity. However, Valentine's Day went largely dormant after the 5th century and only began popping up in writing references in the 1370s, a few decades following the Strasbourg Massacre. Prior to the birth of the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, Satan sought to commit genocide against the Jewish people to thwart his arrival. Those massacres, which are recorded in the pages of Scripture, include the Pharaoh's murder of Jewish babies in Exodus uh, chapters 1 through 2, Haman's plot to slaughter all the Jews in the provinces of King Ahasuerus in Esther 1 through 10, and Herod's execution of Jewish toddlers and babies, Matthew 2.16. And so, knowing that God's plan for the children of Israel didn't end after Jesus' death and resurrection, Satan's plans for evil against them didn't end either. As Christians, as Christian author Hal Lindsey recently explained, the Jewish people for centuries have suffered as the victims of malicious gossip and targeted violence. People blame Jews for wars and for economic downturns. The losers of wars made Jews their scapegoats, blaming them for selling secrets and other traitorous activities. Anti-capitalists often blame Jews for the rise of capitalism, but just as often capitalists blame Jews for the rise of socialism, Lindsay described. I could go on and on listing the things they've been blamed for, including the bubonic plague, earthquakes, floods, and all kinds of natural disasters. Hating Jews goes back further than the word Jew. The propensity to blame Jews for all manner of evil led to the Holocaust, but it did not stop there. It is alive and well today, he underscored. Satan lies at the heart of anti-Semitism. His hatred for God's chosen people has driven numerous individuals' bloodlust against the Jewish people. As with the Holocaust and many other similar anti-Semitic initiatives, Satan has worked to erase and distort the memory of these events. The reintroduction of the pagan Valentine's Day holiday worked to wipe away February 14th's connection to the death of thousands of Jewish people and turn the day into a gift-giving celebration. As a result, many are unfamiliar with the blood-soaked history of this day. 
With the raw images of October 7th fresh in our minds, we must remember that Satan will do everything in his power to warp, downplay, and even promote the celebration of this day. But while the devil may view this and other massacres as a victory, God will ultimately have the final word. That article is by Brianna Clausen, and she is editor-in-chief of Harbinger's Daily News Media. You know, guys, I did. I was not aware of that. I did not know that had occurred. Um, wow, that is just man. I tell you what. Ooh, I pray the Lord Jesus just comes and takes us home soon, soon and very soon. I pray we are going to see the King. So much is happening. So much around the world is happening. Gaza. We have uh, Syria. There are wars and most definitely rumors of wars. Putin supposedly sending with a missile up there to the space station. I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, yeah, we put our faith in God and not in government and not in anything on this earth for sure. But our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's getting ready to send that. And so it's an EMP, guys. So when I talk about preppers. <laughs> preppers in their bunkers let me tell you but you also need to be prepared i always say that be prepared not scared you know what i'm gonna say next you guys have been listening long enough you know you better get you some food you better get you some food and water but listen i was talking to my brother the other night i don't know if you guys use verizon i have verizon on my phone it has been acting crazy Earlier today, it said SOS on my phone. Like I had zero service except for SOS, which is emergency. I'm like, what is going on? One bar, I've been stuck on one bar. Then it says no service. Apps aren't working. So I think there's a lot going on in the background that we're not aware of. But they keep telling us what their plans are. They're telling us what they're going to do. Economic disaster. There's an app. If there was an EMP strike, folks, it would knock us back to like Little House on the Prairie days. So think about it, Little House on the Prairie Day. How many people do you know personally would survive, would survive that? Now, I was raised on a farm. I'm a pretty tough kid. Let me tell you, I'm a tough cookie. But Little House on the Prairie Days, that was that was pretty tough. I remember what the blizzard, I think it was of 1982 or 1983. Not for sure which year that was. But we had snow drifts up to the top. We had like a two-story house, a little, well, three, yeah. And it was like up over the top of the house. It was like you couldn't even get out the front door. Our gas lines froze. We were burning the fireplace. And it was a freezing cold. We had a kerosene heater going. Now listen. How many people will survive that if they don't have wood? If they don't have a fireplace? If they don't have kerosene? How long do you think kerosene is going to last? Or how long do you think your butane heater is going to last? Or how long, you know. Think about it, folks. If that EMP strike happens, phones aren't going to work. Cars aren't going to work. TVs aren't going to work. Nothing's going to work. And then how long do you think it's going to take for panic to ensue? You look at these kids today staring at their phones. They don't have their phones in their hand. They, they can't even carry on a conversation. Hi, how are you doing today? Uh, uh. They look like a deer caught in the headline when you try to talk to them. They're like, I'm up. up. Now, if you put a phone in front of your face and they talk to that phone on your face, they could probably get a, you know, they could probably have a conversation with you or they could text you. <laughs> But I mean, think about it. How many people do you honestly think is going to survive that? Even a week, two weeks, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the riots and the drugs and the, the violence that we have right now 
multiply that by like a hundred and that's what it's going to be like most grocery stores only have three days three days of product and produce all that stuff is trucked in but you have an emp strike guess what there's no trucks there's no nothing it's a complete standstill the grid our electric grid is fried there's no electricity there's no running water there's no sewage I mean, get down to the nitty-gritty. Putin is talking about it. Look at, uh, listen to Tucker Carlson's interview. Um, folks, we're on the verge, on the precipice of World War III. Ezekiel and Zechariah talked about it. Man, we're like right there. God told us what was coming. God told us these days would be here. Man, it's time to make that decision for the Lord Jesus. Because I'll tell you what, you don't want to be left here. That's one place you don't want to be. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens on this earth to you and I, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we know we will live for eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. There, everybody has it. Everybody will live for eternal. Everybody will live for eternity. But where you, where that location is, like where you reside, that makes that's the decision you have to make today. If you reject Jesus Christ, then you will be sent to hell. You send yourself there. But that's where you will spend eternity because you rejected Jesus Christ. You know, God doesn't want anybody to perish, he says. He wants all to come to the saving grace of his son, Jesus Christ. He wants everybody to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you reject him, you make that decision yourself. You you essentially send yourself to hell. And that's eternally. So you didn't want anything to do with God now. Well, guess what? You won't have anything to do with him in eternity either. Mm. hell is for real gnashing of teeth um my pastor was talking i think it was wednesday before last we had a question asked and uh one of the ladies asked do you think they can see us in heaven do you think they know if they can see what's going on down here on earth and my pastor thinks that they can i mean i do too um you know when you read the bible if you think about it, there there is a chasm, you know, between us. There's a gulf, you know. There's a different because Abraham's bosom. Because remember the old story, um, Lazarus. You know, if you would, you just have Lazarus dip his finger in some water, you know. And so it just just you know to to wet my tongue. These flames, I'm in agony. And of course, you know, God was like, no, you know, you made your decision. Well, well, would you please send send someone to tell my brother so they don't come to this place of torment? No, they have. What do you say, Abraham? They have the, they have all that. That you, no matter if somebody was to go and tell them, they still wouldn't believe them. So yes, I, I think they can see what's going on here. I think they do. And then one of them said, but you know, the books, uh, you know, the Bible says that you know all the tears will be wiped away, and there'll be no sorrow, and there'll be no none of that. So if they can see what's going on, there's there's still sorrow. But my pastor said, and you know, and our, you know, that's true. The book of Revelation that doesn't happen until the millennial kingdom. So they they can still see what's going on. So that doesn't happen until the end. And that's when God wipes away all of our tears and all of that. And so, you know, even in the millennial kingdom, it talks about um, there's a place that they'll be able to hear the screams and agony from hell. You know, they'll walk by like, ah, oh, you know, ooh. that's why it's so important to get into the word of God and uh, let the word of God get into you. Because if you don't know what the word says, you don't really know. You know, somebody's going to ask you that question. And like, say you ask somebody that question 
and they didn't know the word of God. Say you ask Andy Stanley that question, and Andy Stanley came up with some whatever story that he wanted to tell you about his experience or like whatever. And you bought a hook, line, and sinker for whatever they wanted to tell you because you didn't know the word of God. And so you didn't know that what they told you was wrong. So that's why it's so important. So important to get into the word. And if you ever have a question and somebody tells you something, you don't really agree with them. Well, I mean, don't necessarily kick them to the curb. Ask them why. Hey, show me in the Bible where it says that. Why do you believe that? Hey, show me where you where that's at. You know, that's the best way to find out things. If they can't tell you, then kind of question. They're like, oh, okay. But if it's not a doctrinally, you know, like the pre-tribulation, a lot of us are pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that the rapture will occur before the tribulation. There's folks that think that it's going to happen after the the tribulation, which doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like a yo-yo effect. You're like up and down. And then some people think they, they believe mid-trib. And then, of course, you have the amillennials that think this has already happened and everything in the Bible is is uh, not literal. They think it's, you know, like a, some pie in the sky, I like to say, but they think it's figurative. You know, they don't really think that it's, it's literal. Well, the Bible is pretty literal. But, you know, you just, you have to make that, you've you got to make the decision and you can't make, you can't make any discernment unless you know what the Word of God says. That's why it's so important to read the word. So important. And it doesn't matter where you start. Just start somewhere. You know, just start reading in the New Testament. Like I say, the book of John is my favorite. My absolute favorite. I love the book of John. And of course, if you're Jewish, you'll probably want to start in the book of Matthew. Um, it's, really, it's really amazing how God has woven, you know, the, I mean, the whole word is just, you know, Oh, well, it's like John says, John 1, 1. Let's read John 1, 1. We'll close with John 1, 1. How's that, you guys? I love it. The word was with God. The word was God. <laughs> I love it. Let me pull up here. Let me go to John. I'm in the Olive Tree Bible software, by the way, because you can get it on your computer. You can get it on your phone, iPad, tablet, whatever you guys want, whatever you guys use. So I actually have it on the Holman Christian Standard version. So we're going to click on over here. And I think I do have the New King James. So I'm going to roll over here. Have the KJV. Everybody's got the KJV. There we go. New King James. Let's read it out the New King James today. So the eternal word, John 1, 1. And it actually has Genesis 1, 1 through chapter 2, verses 3 here too. It's kind of neat. So in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Folks, get in the word of God. Let the word of God get into you. And uh, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. I'm going to get out of here. Thanks you guys so much for listening. And may God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up because the Lord Jesus is coming to take us home. That is our blessed hope.